Oh, get out of here. Get what? I'm out. Just, I'm just using I'm using one of those virtual Zoom backgrounds. Go, go away. Go, go back and shave, and uh, get out of there. Does your does your Zoom background come with wind and bird sounds? <laughs> yes, it does. Yes, <laughs> yes, it does. Oh, so how does it feel to be up in up north? It's good. It's good. You, must, you must miss the city. Uh, no, not really. The fresh air. The uh, no, no. the running water. I'm fr- I, I like the fresh air from up here. Hi, the following podcast is brought to you by Radical Road Brewery, the best craft beer in the heart of Leslieville. Find them at 1177 Queen Street East. That's Radical Road Brewery. Oh, my name is Andre Dons. I go by the name of Charles Ruppapum. I'm a music producer and a video editor. I actually do a lot of work for local people in the area of the GTA. And welcome to the music. All right. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. Thanks for coming on, buddy. Hey, thank you. Thank you guys for having me. No problem. We've had, um, well, let me start off this way, Andre. We've, over the, since mid-March, Greg and I have been doing these, uh, these episodes from each of our homes. And um, obviously because of COVID, we're, we're, we're stuck sort of yeah. at home or at a location. Yeah. Um, and so we're always asking people, how has this uh, pandemic affected you, affected your business? How are you dealing with it? Um, but I think uh, with with you as our guest today, um, it would be remiss of us not to ask you specifically, um, how is the past week to 10 days? How are you, how are you feeling, you know, since... Um, there's been, I don't know if you want to call it an awakening, but um, tell me, how you been feeling the past uh, past week, 10 days? Well, to be honest, that's a good question because it's just been so much to digest over the last few days. And just when you think you've got it all, something else comes down the pipe that you weren't aware of. And it's like, wow, this too? And there's just so much to, to, to handle at once. And plus, there's also misinformation that you've got to sift through as well. Mm-hmm. Things like that. So it, it's very hard to take a stance specifically. The only thing that you can say for sure, at least, at least in my opinion, is that what I did actually witness in terms of like the, the police brutality and some of the protests and things like that, I'm in total, I'm in total stance for it. Because mm-hmm. we're at a time now where it's been so long since people have been fighting for these type of things and it's always been swept under the rug type. And now is the time where people have to see, and I'm I'm grateful. I used to be I used to be a little more skeptical about cameras on phones and stuff. Yeah. But man, I'm so glad they're there now. I, I'm so glad because there's a lot of things that you can hear about and not be as impacted by it as when you see the visual. Yeah. So yeah. at this point in time, I'm very. I've had a lot of mixed emotions. I felt a lot of anger. You know, I felt a lot of bitterness. 
But as I said, as you go through the information and you start sifting through things and you, you gauge it back to your own type of moral compass, you realize it, it's not everyone. You can't hold everyone accountable for the hate that somebody else might portray on somebody else. Yeah, sure. Some people are really trying very hard to be equal and neutral in this world. And, and I appreciate those people. But at this point in time, I really don't believe that this can end anytime soon until there's actual physical and visual change. What does that mean? Um, I mean, we have to really see reform in terms of how things are policed, especially in particular the police system. I think with something that everybody knows, it's always been like that un, unwritten thing to say, you know what, police, they, they um, what's the word I'm looking for? They target. Huh. It, it, that's amazing. Sure. They, they target. Sure. sure. So we've got to get to a point where, you know what, I and mean, I know it's not going to happen overnight, but we do have to get to a point where not just in, in uh, the United States, but also in Canada, that the police see people for being humans as opposed to just seeing a shade or a color or getting a directive from somebody up top saying, you know what, this is who you need to target. Mm. And I don't know where that, because I'm not so involved in it, I really don't even know where to begin or how they would go about making that change. I just know that it's something that has to be done. Something that, what you're, you grew up in Toronto, yeah? I did. What part? What part of the city? I grew up in a spot in Scarborough called Malvern. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Pearson area. Uh, the yeah, school. yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. Um, are you still in the same area, same neighborhood? Uh, no, I'm no longer in Malvern at the moment. I'm now in the, actually in, I'm in the west end of the city. I okay. live closer down to the um, Islington area now. Oh, oh, so that's, see, Greg, that's west end. Yes. That's that's yeah. us. <laughs> Greg, where are you from? Well, right now I'm up north on the Manitoulin, but uh, up, way up north. Uh, but I'm I'm actually in the um, East York area. Okay. East York. Yeah, it's funny actually. My mom, my mom opened Pearson uh, back in like the eighty, I think it was seventy nine, eighty, something like that. Well, my mom was one of the one of the teachers that opened Pearson. So, and I grew up I grew up in the West Hill area myself. So, like up as a young kid. So, oh, awesome. Okay, so you're familiar with Scarborough then? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, good stuff. How how long did your did your mom teach at Pearson, Greg? Do you know? Mom was at Pearson for probably she was at West Hill before Pearson, and then they opened Pearson in like 1980 or something like that. And uh, I guess she was there probably about I don't know seven eight years, something like that, probably. Does that hit your time frame, Andre? Um, I was there from 89 or 90 to uh, 94, 95. Yeah, no, she would have been at SCAS by that point. Um, Scarborough Center for Adult Studies, I think that's where she was at that point. But. Okay, yeah, I was there. Yeah. Person. I graduated in 95 there, so uh, we had OEC at that time still. So. Yeah. <laughs> back back when we had grade 13 OEC. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now the kids I'm dating myself now yeah yeah now the kids have what four years right four years of high school yeah whether you do good or not get out after four years get out yeah <laughs> get <laughs> out of here you don't have to go home you just got to leave um <laughs> so andre so so you're, you're you know you talked about um different emotions um yeah. that that you've been feeling uh over the past little while um what when you when you first when you I don't know if you saw the video I don't know if you've seen um, images of uh, of the killing of George Floyd but I, I guess when you when you first heard about it saw it whatever it was 
um, what, like, what, what was, what was the feeling? Was it, I'll, I'll give you an example. So I remember when, um, the twin towers fell, one of my first thoughts was, please don't let it be a Muslim. Right. I was like, fuck, not like, like not again. Hmm. Um, and, I, and so I'm, I'm curious some of your thoughts. And the reason being is that, you know, you talked about um, you're glad that there's cameras on phones now for the express per, expressed purpose of now these things that have been happening, people can now see it. It's not just, oh, did you hear about it? It's like, holy shit, did you go on YouTube or Twitter or whatever it is to actually right. see what happened? So I'm asking from that perspective of, of possibly knowing that this stuff has happened in the United States, in Canada, and then actually seeing it. Honestly, it was like watching a movie, man. I mean, I've never expected to see something like that in broad daylight, just open with no regard for who was around. Yeah. Watching it from an outsider looking in, just like, what? Is this really going to happen? Because I watched the video. I didn't just see the clips. I saw the video and I was like, no way. At some point, I was hoping the video would end and they would end it with him getting, being taken to his feet. So I was like, no, this is, is this going to happen? When I saw he was motionless for a couple of minutes, I said, this guy's, this guy's dead. No yeah. way. This, this guy's dead. And I saw the attitude of the cop, how he was just so nonchalant about getting up. Even when they were checking his pulse, he still had a knee on this guy. I'm sitting there saying, if that was somebody like myself or just an average civilian, if that was somebody like us, that would be considered like a hostile gangland type murder, broad daylight. Yeah. That is crazy. It, it came back to me, Andre, the reason I asked you what part of the city you grew up. Um, a, a lot of people, you know, obviously our, um, our premier talked about, I think he's, he's walked it back, but he talked about how racism doesn't exist uh, in Canada. Um, I think he's, you know, he's walked it back, but, mm -hmm. um, obviously Greg and I, we all, we, and three of us have different lived experiences. Right. Um, is this, I, uh, but I've heard from a number of people, but for our listeners, especially, um, is, is this type of not the killing of George Floyd, mind you. But is, is this sort of a daily thing that black people in Canada and in the U.S. deal with, think about on a daily basis, like on a regular basis? I would say from the majority of people that I've associated with over my years, yeah, it's something that is common knowledge in our community that, yeah, this is something that you have to think about, not just in the United States, but also in Canada as well. And like you said, I know the premier walked back his statement, but at the same time, it's hard to explain that to somebody who hasn't actually seen something like what happened with George Floyd, because yeah. all of us, we all live different perspectives. And I mean, even us as just myself as a black person, other black people live a different life than I would have lived. Sure. So even some of them have told me that, you know what, they, they, they can't see why there's so much anger and some, so much hate because they just haven't experienced that type of life or that type of experience for themselves. Mm -hmm. So, and these are black people who have told me that Yeah. on the flip side, where I grew up, I mean, that was something that I had to think about constantly. 
because my area was such a considered a high crime rate area at the time when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that was something that we looked over our shoulder constantly. We made jokes about it. We made, you know, little comments here and there. We could look at each other a certain way and know, oh, oh the police are around the corner. That's how common it was. Yeah. That is crazy. So you, you talked about um, that you hope they'll be changed, but you don't, you don't have a, you, you don't think it's going to be quick. It's going to be a long, a long term. Do you have, do you have hope or are you skeptical? No, I have lots of hope. I do believe though, but I also believe that things have to get worse sometimes before they get better. Is this and the worst time? Yeah, think? I was going to say, do you think we're at the worst? And, and the reason I say that is again, white guy here, mm-hmm. um, you know, my wife and I were talking about it and, you know, I, I grew up in West Hill and then Whitby in my high school years. And we, you know, we, we called it Whitey and I can't even, I can't, even, I can't even fathom what, you know, my friends were black and Asian lived because I, I, I never, I didn't sound so cliche, but I really didn't, they were just friends of mine. You know what I mean? So I didn't like, there was no in my mind. And so my wife and I were talking about it the other day and we thought, we're, we're discussing that, like, you know, and again, it seems weird to talk about it from my perspective. We, you know, we, we believe we su- we're supportive. We believe we support. We believe we, you know, Kareem knows how much I've helped out with, like, the Muslim community and the new, the new immigrants coming. And, and again, that's not, oh, great me. I'm just saying that, like, we, we already, I'd like to think that we s- sort of get it as much as we can um, and support. Um, systemically though like are like people are changing but are the people that need to systemically change changing does that make sense what i'm saying it makes total sense and i appreciate you actually mentioning the fact that you know you you can't quite get it but from your perspective you you've seen enough to understand and that's i think why you've been willing to help out in other communities because you've been around enough cultures to to you know experience what they felt at least to a certain degree but yeah it's um I don't think we've seen the worst of it yet. Wow. I really don't think so. And that's not being pessimistic at all. I'm just saying that I think that some people are still willing to hold on to what's been ingrained into them for many, many years. Hmm. And in particular, the people who are in positions of authority. Now, once those people move on in whatever way, shape or form, and the next generations come up, there's a chance for great change at that point. And I think it could be accelerated even faster. Because I know a lot of the younger generation, including, you know, just regular white people, they're very supportive of what's going on right now. I talk to many of them and they have a totally different outlook than the people who are like baby boomers and above. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's because they've been around the culture and the cultures have been so blended recently over the years. I'm not sure what it could be, but they seem a lot more hopeful that things can get better. Um, the older generations that I speak to in terms of whites, they think that, you know what, the best thing to do is for everybody to just go their separate ways and live their own lives. And unfortunately, that's not going to happen in this day and age. Yeah. That is crazy. Well, listen, I'm just, you know, we're, we are going through a, t- uh, I don't know, maybe awakening is the right word. I don't know if it is, but I think a lot of people, um, you know, that, you know, to Greg's point, who thought they were, um, quote unquote, good people, right? That they that they were um, progressive, um, understand. You know, this this word has been thrown around a lot over the years, but I think people are, are are hopefully understanding this word called privilege, 
um, mm-hmm. that it's not something you sign up for and you have a membership into it, but it's something that allows, you know, people like myself to be able to go outside and not have a care in the world the way I look. But my brother-in-law, who happens to be black, has to think about the way he dresses, about his face, and is he smiling or does he have like me people, you know, I, I look at pictures of myself when I'm not smiling. I go, why do I look angry all the time? But it's, it's, it's like my resting face, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, my brother-in-law, Irvin, has to think about all these things before he steps outside where I don't have to. And I'm now understanding that that's a privilege that I have that I didn't realize uh, that I had, you know? So I'm, I'm, I'm right. hoping that there's an awakening. And I do think there is one. I think it's ironic that, you know, when they say that, Tom, you've got good vision, it's 2020. And this year has definitely been a year of clarity on vision. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And back back in April, eh, Andre, we were all thinking, can we just get 2019 back? Can we quickly skip 2020? <laughs> yeah. But to be very honest with you, for the past 10 days, it's like, no, I, I think we needed 2020 to happen. Like, mm-hmm. you don't, we don't want to go through this without remembering what is happening, what we've, what as people we do to each other. And we've done to each other. Um, it was just uh, last summer uh, we went on a on a small um, Eastern European trip, and we had the uh, we were fortunate enough to go visit Auschwitz. Mm-hmm. Now we've learned about Auschwitz in school, but when you see it, it's it's like the only th- one of the thoughts that kept on going through my head, Andre, was how could we have done this to people? And the second thought that kept on coming into my head was, why are we still doing this to people? You know, and, um, and so 2020, we need to go through this so that on the other side, so we get through this tunnel and the reboot. other side, it's, it's, it's yeah, right? Anyways. Thanks for chatting about chatting about that, Andre. I I appreciate I appreciate it. But listen, music man, um, is is this is this a lifelong passion, or is it just because we have Instagram now? I'm now seeing you, you know, coming up with all these beats. No, actually, music's something I always loved, but I didn't always love the beat side of it, so to speak, or the production side of it. I just enjoyed writing songs before and. I used to be a local rapper before, yeah. I used to do a lot of rap shows and things in the city as a younger person. But, you know, as I started writing, I started losing touch with a lot of the producers that I knew, or they just left the industry or started doing something else. So to me, I was stuck in like that spot where, okay, I've got these songs, but I've got no beats to write them to. Mm. I've got no beats to record them to. So I have to gradually pick up the task of starting to learn how to do that. So that's what got me into that. The more I started making beats is the more I started saying, hmm, I really like the fact that I don't have to be the face of everything. Oh, interesting. I like the fact, yeah, that, that was the thing that I really didn't like about the, the artist side of things because I didn't always want to be the one on tour. I didn't always want to be the ones 
having to get management backed up, having to pay this person and that person. I just wanted to be a normal family person, but be able to make money through the things that I love to do. Well, so 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 we, let's 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 put this car in reverse a bit, and go uh, back to when you were a local rapper. Uh huh. Did you have a Did you have a stage name? Um, you know it's so long ago that I. <laughs> Definitely not Charles. Now it's <laughs> it was one of those probably one of those street names that they wonder about. <laughs> um, let me see. Fair enough. Fair enough. No, I'm serious. I did have a name. Oh, it was Ron C. Ron C. Yeah. It first derived from, um, you know, um, the bottle of rum, um, Ron Superior, Bacardi? Greg will know this. He's in the business. Yep. Yeah, that was the name. So my friends, I used to always used to carry around with me a little flask of um, Bacardi. And they, whenever they see me coming, they'd say, oh, it's Ron, Ron C. coming. Really, it was Ron Superior, but it was Ron C coming around. So that's what that name kind of stuck with me, so I kept it. <laughs> nice. Why not? Why not? So so tell me about this. Um, it must be a different muscle putting together music rather than writing down poetry or writing down lyrics. Um, yeah, there is to a certain degree, but once you have one formula, you can always use your formula over and over and over. And not the formula is not the same for everyone. Yeah. Like for me, for example, I enjoyed like I enjoyed writing the songs to someone else's beat and then actually making the beat to fit my song. Mm -hmm. As opposed to other people who, you know what, they'd hear the the beat and they, okay, I'm going to write a song to this. Yeah. So, but once I got comfortable doing my process, then everything else just became second nature, just repetition. Interesting. So, so when did this, experimentation with with uh beats and production start like how many years ago are we talking uh maybe about two and a half years ago okay this this about two and a half years ago is when i really started saying you know what i didn't want to rap anymore but i still wanted to write songs and i wanted to start finding a way to reach people who had talent maybe they didn't have the talent to write a song but they had the vocals to sing a song yeah so i said okay let me um let me write some songs and but I, like I said I didn't have any production so I said okay I need some music so I started that process of learning how to make the music for my songs and then started using it as like a package deal let me send this out to somebody let me send this out to somebody who's got a great voice and see what they think about the song and see if they liked it that way yeah interesting what's so I I have no clue about the space that you're in Andre no 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 clue whatsoever. <laughs> But, but so like, tell me, do you, do you think of like, um, someone's voice in your head or do you sort of experiment with sounds that do something for you? Um, I would say a little bit of both, but more, more the latter than the previous. I think that I more experiments with sounds that work for me because in particular, especially if I'm going to be the one writing the song. Yeah then I want to make sure that I am feeling the vibe of the song. So I can always draw, I can always draw people into the vibe by, with my energy and my enthusiasm around the song. Once the idea is created. Yeah, yeah. And are you doing that in collaboration with the musicians you're working with, or is it, are you usually doing it and then bringing it to them? Um, again, a little bit of both. I mostly work with uh, myself first initially just to make like a template or a sketch. And then I'll bring it back to the musician and see what they think, what parts they like, what they want to edit, 
And then we'll work together on ironing out the fine details. Same goes with the music as well. Just a straight instrumental. I'll make the, I'll make the shell. I'll, pay, I'll play it for them. They'll write the vocals out. We'll iron them out. And based on what the vocals are saying, then I'll do the fine edits on the beats as well. That's really interesting. I, w- I want to talk about some of your collaborations that you've done and um, some of some of some final projects that you've you've uh, been a part of. But um, you and I were did a little back and forth earlier this afternoon, um, mm-hmm. and uh, you said there that there was an issue with your name. You had yeah. you had you had to. Uh, there was a legal issue. So like, yeah. Tell me about that. Was it was that with the Andre Dons or was that with Charles Rumpapum? Like, what was that? Yeah, it was with the Charles Rumpapum, my actual musician name. Yeah. Um, it was it was actually with the the Rumpapum part because they apparently you can't use the same name as even if it's not the same business, but it can't be the same name as something that's already caught in trademark. Hmm. So that rumpapum, the way it was spelt at least, that I the way I had it spelt was the way that it was in the song that was written back in nineteen, however, the drummer boy song, Little Drummer Boy. Okay, yeah. So the vocals were written with that the way I had it spelt, and I had all my stuff online tagged with that rumpapum name written that way instead that way. So who came, who, who came after you? Was it like an estate or what? Like, like, or no, it wasn't. It was actually an email I got from a, a distribution or um, a distribution company. They told me to double check the name because it might cause me an issue down the line. So I haven't ended up getting into trouble yet, but it's just more preventative at this point because the potential is there for me to get in trouble. That, that could be uh, like good, good PR. like i don't know who i don't know who wrote that song but all all i all i can see in my head greg is david bowie david bowie and bing crosby when they did that crossover yeah yeah that's that's (laughs) all that's in my head like christmas you know they're you know two old white well one of them was old at the time Mm. one of them is young and uh they're wearing their christmas sweaters and uh and singing that song little drummer boy I remember showing that to my, my dad, like way back, way, yeah. way back. And he, he honestly thought that David Bowie had taken a Bing Crosby video or show and <laughs> did something over top of it because he was convinced there was no way Bing Crosby would ever work with David Bowie. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds strange as a musician. Yeah, it does. That is hilarious. That is hilarious. Well, yeah, that was, my, um, that was my issue. So like I said, I didn't get in trouble yet. But yeah. I'm just trying to be more proactive as opposed to reactive, if you know what I mean. So where where does the name come from, though? Rub, like for for yourself? Um, it just came from the. It actually <laughs> came from the idea of listening to the song one day. Okay. So I was listening to the song this day, and I was just playing with my drum set, and I was like, "Oh, that's the sound of the drums." So you know what? Obviously, as a musician, you're playing with the music. So I just said, you know, instead of saying Charlie drums or something like that, yeah. But, uh, the sound of the drums, pa pa pum. So that was how the idea came to be. And and for the for the longest time that I've known you, Charles, is that like a middle name? Yeah, it's my middle name actually. I've grown up with all my intimate family calling me Charles or Chucky. Ah, I wonder if yeah, I knew so that. I just, I just forgot. Um, I I'm not sure if I told you that before, but yeah. 
that that's always been my nickname. So it wasn't an easy, it wasn't a hard transition because sure. everybody already called it to me that, by the way. Fair enough. Fair enough. So okay, I was wondering if you could talk to us uh, about, um, I guess your, your inspiration, like where do you drive inspiration to come up with the sounds that you come up with? Well, right now, my favorite, obviously my favorite producer right now for myself, I like to listen to, um, some of the older guys who are doing a lot of things were transitioned like Dr. Dre. That's, that's probably my biggest inspiration. Him and uh, Timberland. I like those guys. I like listening to some of their stuff. That's old uh, school. Eh? Like, yeah. I, I, Cause their music is just so complete and it's such an original sound, you know, and I find a lot of the artists today are a lot of the musicians today. They've got a good sound, but it sounds just like somebody else. Hmm. So I, I didn't really want that for myself. I wanted to be, I'd be able to be, hear somebody hear my stuff and say, oh, that's Charles's stuff. And you can't do that sounding like everybody else's stuff just so you can make a, little, a few extra bucks. I want my music to last a little bit longer than that. So yeah. I've got to find a way to create something original and organic. That is so cool. Um, what was your, your first collaboration that you ever did with someone? Do you remember that? Oh my goodness. Let's see. My first collaboration I did was with a reggae artist from Jamaica. Her name was Stripe Queen mm-hmm. at the time. And um, she actually was here for a little while and we ended up doing some work on um, one of her projects that she was putting out for just the Jamaican audience. Yeah, so That was my first collaboration. Very nerve wracking, very, very difficult because you know, she had a certain sound that she liked and I had no idea what I was doing at the time. <laughs> so I was just kind of like, oh, an opportunity? Yes, yes. Oh, what do you do again? Type of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. So that was how I just jumped in both feet and I just learned as I went along. So um, that was my first um, real collaboration where I actually had to sit in studio, actually spend time with the artists, sit down with them, get their feedback and actually take harsh criticism. So. Yeah, that was different for me. What? So, so how did that sort of come together? Did you, was, was there a call that you answered or did you reach out trying to make something happen? Well, I actually knew a relative of hers who was trying to do some film production stuff here in the GTA area. Mm-hmm. So as we were talking one day, I got to tell him that I started making beats and stuff. He started telling me that, you know, his cousin was back in Jamaica and you know, she was looking for some new sounds to work with. So I ended up just connecting with her through him. Then she was on her way up here. And a couple months from that, we got together and she came over to where I was working. We started working from there and we got some work done. Finally, we got her back to Jamaica and she did her stuff from there. Pretty cool. Did you, did you, sorry, sorry go ahead, Greg. I was going to say, do you do a lot of work remotely on production or do you have a, like a studio that you work with or work in or out of your house or what, how do you well, you know what? Before, Greg, I used to work a lot in studio. I used to work a lot in my house, too. I would say it was maybe about 50-50 both ways because yeah. I had all the stuff set up at home, so I didn't need to really go anywhere until it was time to record vocally. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, I really am digging the idea of working remotely now that this COVID's been yeah. there. <laughs> I just feel like I'm so much more comfortable in my zone. It's funny because it's, it's, driven, it's driven a lot of musicians to that. And we've had, you know, conversations with a number of musicians and, and producers and that that have said that, you know, it's, it's, it's changed things up, but it's opened up in some ways for some people. 
Right. That's a, that's a good way to say it because I don't think it's made it worse. I just, and I don't think it's made it better. I just think it's made it different. And, and it's, um, people getting more creative, right? Even, even in yeah. the, even in the, the, the product that they're creating to support their music has changed. Right. Yeah. Uh, definitely. Definitely. And I think one of the big things that this, if you can take something good out of this pandemic is that it's forced people who are already creative to become even more creative because if you're already doing something and you become comfortable doing it, I'm sure you guys know you've had to probably make some adjustments yourself with your own show. So um, just as I was going through with this pandemic, it's, it's been, how do I say? It's been fun. It's been a fun challenge. Because yeah. now I've even had to learn how to do things like promoting a little bit differently. I've had to learn how to market and drive traffic a little bit differently. Now I know where people are spending most of their time for the day now. So now I've been able to utilize some more of the technology and pinpoint specific times when to target people. Um, it, it's made up things a lot more clear in terms of how people spend their time because since this pandemic's been here, I've seen how my numbers have jumped and I see the times of the day that they've jumped. So it helps you understand a lot more in terms of the um, the statistics behind what you're doing. Interesting. And do you find that people's tastes, I guess, specific to your music, do you find that people are listening, um, not just at different times of the day or, or whatnot, but that they're listening to different things now than they did before? Yeah, I think there's a mixture of both. I think people are listening to more, they're more open-minded about what they're hearing. Hmm. I think radio has done a good job of helping the artist who's trying to be original with that in terms of playing the same type of style of music over and over. And it has the same music on rotation over and over. So a lot of people who like the creative aspects of things, they want something new, something fresh. And they're looking in different avenues other than just the radio or their traditional YouTube channels to find them. Yeah, exploration, right? Like I know I I had somebody post on Facebook the other day and said, how do you... How are you exploring new music? And not necessarily new, like new release, but new to you. And a lot of the discussion was around, you know, for example, you know, if you look at Spotify and just listening to your band's station, right? And then they start yeah. mixing in, like I was just like, I use 311 as an example, right? So I listen to 311 radio and all of a sudden I get a whole bunch of SoCal, sort of that chill 90s mm-hmm. kind of music. Yeah. It's very, very helpful. I think, honestly, now the way things are with how we can work from home and a lot of people didn't really believe before that they had the opportunity to work from home because it was kind of like, you know, when your mind's not expanded that way, it's hard to see it. Mm -hmm. I was used to working in the studio. So I was was like, you know, things I could have been doing at home. I was always like, I got to wait till I get to the studio to do this. Or, you know, when I get to the studio, I'll do this. Now it's like, there is no studio. Well, at least until the last couple of weeks ago. But I was like, well, I got to figure out how to keep being productive, even though I can't connect with all these people. Yeah, for sure. And now you're finding that you can connect with people all over the place, regardless of the time of the day. And they're making music all the time anyway. So now it's like, Oh, so you mean I can be here in six hours from here? There's somebody in Germany who's wide awake. Yeah. Let's, let's do this. Yeah. That's really interesting. Which, is, is, it, is it YouTube for you? Is it SoundCloud? Where? MixCloud? Where, where are you putting your music? Where are you getting a lot of feedback from? 
Well, SoundCloud's the way I I just have right now because I have my like I said I have my own website before, but because I've had all these tags with my other name spelled incorrectly, yeah, I just recently had to take everything down. All the music I had with the labels of that name in there, people chanting it in the background and stuff, everything that could possibly lead to something later on, yeah, I've had to literally take it all down. So I'm in the process of revamping the site, the name making it re-registered, doing all that stuff, which should take me a couple of weeks. But once that's all done, I'll have all my music back up on my own website. I'll be back on BeatStars. I'll be using SoundCloud again. The only thing I have on SoundCloud now is things that I have but didn't have any tags on it. Wow. I never even thought of sort of all that work that one has to do just to, just to make sure that they, have the, uh, they don't get the wrong people discovering them. Right, <laughs> right. Because especially as your as your music gets more popular, it's so much easier to find you. Right. So yeah. once once that happens and people start seeing your name on credits on the back of things and online credits, people start sharing your information and your data. It's just people don't even have to be looking for you to stumble on you anymore. That is so true. What um, you know, we talked about your your first collaboration. Is there one or two that you look at now and you go, man, that was, that was like awesome stuff that we did. I'm really proud of that work that I did on that person's single or record or, or LP, EP, whatever the case is. Um, no, to be honest, quite honest with you, Kareem, it's been more an even keel experience for me at this point. Mm-hmm. There's, there's nobody that I've worked with per se to say, okay, oh my goodness, I'm so glad we got together to do this. Even though I am appreciative and grateful for the opportunity. But there's been nothing that I've done for myself to say that has blown me away to the point. And I like it that way because it keeps me hungry. Yeah. It keeps me in a mindset of, you know what, you're still not there. You're not doing anything yet. There's so much more people who are moving ahead and, they're, and they've got less to work with. So I'm grateful, but I'm not satisfied or I'm not, a, I'm not wowed yet. Interesting. So what's has there been has there any projects where you or has there been a project where you went in and you weren't really expecting much from it, but man, it turned into mm-hmm. something really special? Well, it's not funny because there is one I just finished um last week. There's a guy I was working with, I did four beats for him. Um his name is Trist Tristan, and um I did four beats for him, and he sent me the raw, rough versions of what he did through um we transfer and I listened to it that way and I was like, okay, you know, it's all right. But in my back of my mind, I wasn't completely satisfied with it, but I said, you know what, just give it a chance. We never know what's going to happen. To be quite honest with you, he blew me away with, I've only heard three of the four so far, but all three of them were totally not what I expected. I thought it was going to be just, you know, subpar at best, but he really did a good job. And he did assure me that once he gets into the studio, it's going to be much better. Don't worry about it. But every, every, every artist says that to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. They all say it's going to be so much better when I get it recorded. And, but he actually did do that. And it's been, a, it's been good. He hasn't released it yet because it's for a project that he's got upcoming. But it's just funny that you, meant, you asked that question mm-hmm. because he's one of the guys who just happened. I'm saying, yeah, this is awesome. That's great. Andre, what's, where do you... Where, where, where do you go from here? Like, what, where, do you, where do you see yourself down the road? What sort of, is, is there a big plan uh, that you've got in the back of your head? Um, or you're sort of happy, you know, uh, moving forward at this pace? Like, what do you, what, what do you, where do you see yourself down the road? 
down the road, honestly, it's, it started already to take shape because right now what I really want to do more than anything um, at this point is really work with not just local talent. I want to work with like other things like, you know, radio shows and TV shows and, you know, things like that. And I've just, as time has gone on, I've been starting to get more and more opportunities in that area. Like oh, really? entrepreneurs who are, yeah, entrepreneurs who are trying to find music, who aren't really looking to pay licensing fees like that, but they want to do advertising for themselves. Some of them contact me and ask me to make something original for their slogan or for their jingle or stuff like that. And there's a lot more huh. entrepreneurs than there are musicians. So I'm like, okay, you know, this looks really, really promising. Then it leads into things like TV and commercials and, you know, you know, those online platforms like Netflix and Disney and all those things where you can take advantage of now that you can't just be involved with just as a bare musician. Yeah. That's amazing, man. That's really, really good to hear. Yeah. That's yeah I really, cool. I'm really excited about that. Like how, so do you, ahead, sorry. how do you, did you, when you started? Yeah. I think Netflix was around three years ago, but when you, <laughs> but when you started, did you ever foresee down the road that you could possibly be doing work in places where, not only would you help somebody, you know, finish up a, a song or whatever the case is, but that you'd be working the other side of the business where it's, it's you know, on, on television or film or things like that. No, I did not foresee that at all. It's just the more different my sound became is the more I found that it was more lining up with what TV shows and commercials and those type of um, groups were looking for. They weren't looking for necessarily the lo-fi sound or that boom-bap sound. They wanted something that was going to be catchy enough and original enough that they can actually use for their ad to identify them. And that was where the mindset that I had. So it wasn't really thinking per se, get into radio or TV, but we just became more of a like-minded thing where people in that industry tend to think like that more than people in the music industry. Hmm. That is awesome. Sorry, Greg, you were going to say... No, I was going to say, um, one of the things that we'd like to, to ask is, you know, under what's, what's, what's in your earbuds? What are you listening to lately? What's right now? Um, listening to, I listen, I like listening to a lot of Kendrick Lamar right now. I'm listening to a lot of, um, radio pop right now. Like just, uh, just 92.5 <laughs> like on rotation in my car. Um, when I'm on Sirius satellite, I'm on the EDM stations because I like a lot of the sounds that they use. So I try to blend some of the sounds that they use in some of the more of an urban type sound to make it more of a, more of a hip hop trap type EDM fusion type thing. So I spend my time listening to that. Um, a lot of boy bands from back in the day too. <laughs> uh, Andre. <laughs> I guess, yeah, I guess you also listen, you know, it's different, right? So, you know, we, I listen for pleasure, for inspiration, for feeling. Uh, I'm guessing you also listen for, for inspiration, but from a different perspective, right? You're looking for what, what, what out there is going to inspire me to come up with a different beat or a different sound. So you're listening for a different that's, reason. That's exactly why I listen to it now. I, I love music. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but now I listen to it and I, I don't think I can help it now. I just kind of just listen to it and hear, oh, that would sound great if I did it this way, as opposed to, oh, this is a great song. Yeah. Now it's more, okay, I like that sound or, I like the way they set those drums up. I like that pattern there, you know, as opposed to, okay, this song is my favorite or, you know what, I really just love this song. And I find myself listening to a lot of like 80s stuff now more than before. Even huh. <laughs> It's crazy because, you know, how sounds recycle. 
Yeah. And I'm listening to like stuff like The Weeknd and, you know, Bruno Mars and stuff like that. And they've recycled a lot of the old 80s sounds to making it sound current. So that's been the mindset that I've been on recently as well. That is awesome. Andre, this has been awesome. I'm, I'm looking forward when I reached out a week or so ago um, just to see how you're doing. I really do hope that you and I get to connect, sit down, um, share a drink, and just uh, just chat when all this is uh, – uh, when we don't have to sort of stay isolated anymore. But thank you so much for this. I really appreciate it. No, thank you guys for having me on, man. It's been an honor, man.